Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. Today, Roger and I are going to discuss episode two of season one, The Thing You Love Most. As always, I'll start with a brief synopsis. This will be much briefer than last time, I promise. In storybook, Regina and Emma continue sparring over Henry, resulting in a very convoluted plot where we learn about Emma's criminal past. She gets arrested again, and Regina tricks her into calling Henry crazy in front of him. Mary Margaret and Emma connect, and Mary Margaret convinces her to stay to protect Henry. Emma apologizes to Henry and commits to Operation Cobra, somewhat giving into Henry's delusions to win him back and uh, make him feel good about himself. Back in the Enchanted Forest, we learn more about the evil queen's motivations for casting her curse. Snow White took something from her, but what? The evil queen fights with Maleficent to get back the dark curse, attempts to cast it, but is missing a key ingredient, the heart of the thing she loves most. She decides to take her father's heart and use it to cast the curse, as she thinks her revenge is her happiness. Roger, did you like this episode? It was okay. It's not my favorite episode. It's not a top five episode. Um, before we get on that, I feel like the word delusions is misleading. Sorry. Emma believes that they are delusions. Yeah. She does not believe that Henry, but she's following Dr. Hopper's advice to not call him crazy and not completely dismiss his delusions because that's how he processes his emotions. Little does Emma know that these are actually real things and that Henry is not at all crazy. In fact, the 10-year-old boy knows everything that's going on. That's true. Very smart boy. Um, I think the episode was okay. It was it was tough to follow what was a really good pilot episode and now you're kind of getting into more of the individual stories. Like This is a very Regina-centric episode, which I have no problem with. I think it... It does a good job of showing that Regina is angry. My central question is, why on earth is this woman so angry at Snow that she's willing to go through these lengths? Like, when I first watched it, I remember thinking, was she in love with Charming? Because, like, that seemed like to be the type of thing that would just make you snap. Like, that was supposed to be me and that you stole who should have been my husband and I should have all the things that you have, so screw this, I'm going to blow everything up to hell. Um, because, I mean... Every time you see Regina and Emma, or Regina and Snow especially, contempt and rage are the first things I see on her face. Like, I never want it. I've seen women look at me like that, and it's not a pleasant uh, feeling when it's like, wow, this woman would stab me. Yeah. Uh, I agree. This episode is not one of my favorites. It's a fine episode. Always happy to see lots of Regina on the screen. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't give us very much. We learn a little bit, we get more questions, not so many answers. We learn a little bit about why she cast the curse, but I need to know more. Uh, I'm not, I, I think I am a big fan of when Regina and Emma are working together, less so when they're fighting, but we have to work up to that. So here we are. I do think Regina and Emma fighting though is pretty fantastic. Like, one of the more funny scenes is Emma just being like, I'm done with your crap. I'm gonna cut this tree in half. I don't know why she decided to just cut her tree down as if this somehow was just like, it was more symbolic than not. But they're pretty good sparring partners. Also, where did she get a chainsaw? Like, she just got uh, out of jail and doesn't really have anywhere to stay, but she found a chainsaw, no problem. I assume she picked it out of her purse. Oh, sure. Yeah. Her, her magical purse. Hammer space purse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, here's the one thing I do like about Regina. 
you see all of her bad qualities. I said rage and contempt. You also see exactly how manipulative she is. Like, what she does to Henry and Emma is really bad. Like, really low. But for the first time, she actually shows real concern for Henry. You actually start to see that it wasn't just a question of, I'm doing this just to be a jerk. Like, I actually love my son. I hate all of you. But she does seem to be legitimately concerned for his welfare, except for when she's manipulating him and gaslighting him. But, you know. You also learn that uh, she named Henry after her father, who was the thing that she loved most. Which is so sad that she had reached such a point that she felt like the only way she could be happy was to crush the heart of the thing she loves most. And that her father just went with it. Anything to make you happy, dear. I mean... I don't know that he had, like, an alternative option. <laughs> That's true. Like, if he just said, hey, please don't crush my heart, I don't think it changes anything. Um, she looks at him with a bit of content, uh, contempt as well, though. You, while, like, she loves him, you can tell she resents him. You don't exactly know why, but there's definitely a feeling of, like, it's almost like I am this way because of you, which, as we find out, is kind of partially true. Um, also... Why is he so weak? I mean, we will. We don't know very much about uh, Henry Senior these days, so we need we need to learn more before we can talk about that. But yep, he is quite weak. And in this episode, actually, we hear Regina for the first time say, "Love is weakness," which is a family mantra of hers. Speaking of weakness, why are so many men in this episode so weak? And when I mean weak, I'm not talking physically weak. I mean weak of conviction and like just I am so afraid of this woman that I'm willing to betray my morals betray common sense and just do whatever she says because my spine is made of jelly okay I have a I have several thoughts about this this is one of our main arguments about this show I do not think that Roger is wrong there are several weak men in this episode uh there's four. Roger says there's four. Let me see if I can count them. Dr. Hopper, Graham, the sheriff, uh, Henry Sr., and... Mirror, mirror on the oh, wall. Oh, Sidney Glass, of course. Um, okay. Well, let's let's start with three of those men are cursed to be their worst selves. <laughs> In fact... Like, Dr. Hopper is Jiminy Cricket, whose whole thing is, like, being moral and doing the right thing. What better way to curse a man that feels all of those things than to make him a weak-willed human being that bends at all of the requests of the mayor? Sidney Glass slash The Mirror is a weak man in every iteration that he exists. There is never a point when that is not true. Um... And I think Graham actually does stand up to Regina in this episode. He doesn't do everything he could, but he's still, he's still learning. He's been stuck in a world where time has been frozen, and he does everything that the mayor says. And he actually convinces her to stop, at least legally, going after Emma in this episode. I'd like to point out, he kind of convinces her, because like, the truce is really just a setup for Regina to manipulate Emma to say the horrible thing in front of Henry. So, like, it didn't really work, but, like, sure, she he, she at least stops getting her arrested. And instead, he almost kind of makes the situation worse and then better. But it's, it's true. That's true. And then I guess my other gripe with this is that this is a female-centric TV show, and most, a lot of women in TV shows that we watch regularly are pretty weak and have absolutely no character development. So, 
this is what you get today in this Regina episode, in this Regina-centric episode. And if this were just contained to episode two, I would be right there with you. You will hear me complain about this probably every episode going forward because it, unfortunately a lot of these characters just don't seem to have a backbone. Speaking of that, why is Snow White so afraid of Regina at this point? I mean, I think it's the same thing. It's her curse. Sorry, Snow White, mm-hmm. Mary Margaret. Mary Margaret, thank you. Okay, yep. We're, we're going to try to use curse <laughs> names and... Uh... Why is Snow slash Mary so afraid of the evil yes. queen slash Regina? Um, I think Mary Margaret is afraid of Regina because it was designed that way. Like, they're in a curse where the mayor always gets what she wants. Hmm. And she actually does, I mean, she doesn't personally do anything because she doesn't really have a stake in it at this point, but she does convince Emma to stay to protect Henry. So I th- that was an act of rebellion, not like very openly directly against Regina, but also like she's just this kid's teacher. Like there's no really no reason that she should stand up for him at this point. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that one, but like, and this is a credit to both uh, the actresses, is that every time you see Regina look at Mary contempt and disgust comes across her face and every time mary looks at regina there's a bit of like uh uh-oh there's real fear because you can tell this despite them not really having a past in storybook this woman hates her yep that's true and i actually think it helps build this this like curse world that they live in because I, i think snow when she wakes up from the curse feels quite a bit of contempt for mary margaret oh that's interesting like, she does not like the person that she became under the curse. Snow isn't like that at all. She's not afraid of Regina. No. Huh. I never really thought about that. But yeah, that's that's a valid point. Um, let's talk about another thing that happens to Regina. And I actually feel sorry for her. Henry. Henry Jr. Is it Jr.? Younger Henry? Yeah. Henry Henry the child. Henry the child. The boy. The boy yeah. child. The boy named Henry. <laughs> He's very mean to Regina. I mean, you're not my mom. To the only person who's raised you is ice cold. Yeah, that is pretty cold. Uh, especially considering, like, the information that he has that is fact at this time. Uh, she's taken care of him his whole life. She takes him to therapy. She seems fairly nurturing, but has trouble connecting with him. It, although it does seem like this has been an issue long before he thought that everyone in this town was fairy tale characters. Turns out he's right about that, but there's hearing that as a mom must have been horrible. And she still tries to defend him the best way she knows how. It's not a good way, and it's gaslighting, and it's terrible. Like, she engineers a boy's biological mom saying that he's crazy in front of him. Regina does a lot of unforgivable things. It's not shocking for villains to do unforgivable things. It is a bit shocking to me that a character like Regina would do this to literally the only person you would argue she cares about. Yeah. Like, everyone else, whatever. They're just puppets to be played with to get to her, you know, end, mean, end game. But she didn't have to do this to Henry. Like, truth be told, she could have told Henry, yeah, you know what? You got it right. I'm the evil queen and all these things, and I'm doing this to protect you, and I'm the only one with power. And he probably couldn't have done anything about it. Instead, she chooses to gaslight him and make him feel like he's crazy. I, I mean, I think she's scared. She's scared. Yeah. Of that... She doesn't want Henry to find out about the curse and know that she is the evil queen. He wants her to see, he wants him to see her differently. And she also, like at the end of the episode, she's 
nervous when she's talking to Rumpelstiltskin. Like, she she thinks that he did something to make Emma come here. He did. <laughs> and... Well, at this point, we assume he has done something. Mm-hmm. We don't actually know what his level of involvement that's true. is. That's true. Um, I think that's... And we'll talk about that when we get to him. We think he may be more involved than he has let on. Yes. Um, because, again, he kind of just appears in the background. But he... I mean... He, Rumpelstiltskin, in the jail cell, told Snow White and Prince Charming that their child would be the savior. Yes. So he knows that. Yeah. Well, we know what he knows in, as Rumpelstiltskin. We don't know Regina, what she knows. And she even says, what do you know? And he's like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So he's very clearly not revealing exactly what he knows to both us and Regina. Um, a... Mr. Gold's attire gets so much better in this episode. Three-piece suit. Oh, man. Looking sharp. I never thought I'd be having a discussion about how well a man was dressing. But boy, that was jarring to see him in episode one dressing like, I don't know what that was. And then he was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm rich. I can dress like it. So great. Glad he's back. I love his interactions with Regina at this point. To see a woman who is as menacing and has everyone terrified, and then he's just calmly like, get out of my way. Well, that actually, I alluded to this last ep- last episode. That's I the thing that I noticed the last time I watched this that I had never noticed before. When she's talking to him in the jail cell, and he asks to be rich and powerful in this new town, and he says, if I ever ask you for something and say, please, you have to give it to me. And she weirdly agrees to that. Because uh, he'll never remember, obviously. And then he does it in Storybrooke. And she, he tells her... To stop asking him questions, and he says, please, and she looks, it almost looked like she's been gagged, like she, like, can't, she can't say it, and maybe magically she is. Um, So that please worked, and it's not the first time that that will happen. He does it, he does it several times. It's not the last time he'll do it. Yeah, sorry, not the last time. My question is, how afraid of Regina is gold? Because as, up until this point, Regina seems like the one who's in charge but now it kind of seems like a Wizard of Oz situation where she may be the person in charge, but the man behind the curtain is gold. And he is the one actually in charge of everything right now. Because the the interactions that we've seen between them is that he actually may be manipulating everything behind the scenes. And for the first time, Regina looks terrified of another person. Like, she's terrified of things. Like, I might lose my son. I might lose the town. He is the only person that she looks at and goes, I can't do anything to him. Yeah. And I think that bothers her. And she assumes that he is cursed. And we don't know whether or not he is cursed or not. And she's starting to get terrified that he's been playing her all along. Well, he's definitely cursed. We just don't know if he has his memory or not. He's in the town with everybody else. He has been cursed. I mean, I use the word cursed to imply something negative has happened. I see. (laughs) He's rich, he owns the town, and he's controlling a series of events. I'll take that kind of curse ten times out of ten. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, can we talk about the other villain that was introduced this episode? Maleficent. Love her so much. Can we talk about her pet? <laughs> yeah, I think that's my favorite, most ridiculous moment in this episode. She has a miniature unicorn that's black as a pet. And apparently she really loves it. Because, like, during their fight, she, like, screams when Regina tries to kill the unicorn. And she, like, saves the unicorn's life. This feels like a very strange relationship that she has with this tiny black unicorn. I don't know how many pets there are in the entire show, 
But this is a top five pet. 100%. Top five pet, for sure. That's fantastic. I love her tiny little black unicorn. I love how much she loves her tiny black unicorn. Like, she's in a fight with another witch and doesn't care about anything until Regina turns, like, all the weapons. She's like, uh-uh. I'm jumping in front to save my tiny black unicorn. That's 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 maybe true love right there. Like, I will sacrifice myself <laughs> to defend my tiny black unicorn. Um, one thing I noticed about this, and we'll talk about this more as we go through the season... Maleficent says, I'm your only friend, I believe, right? Like, they're, when their conversation. Sure. I wish she had been part of the town. Mm-hmm. Because Regina has someone she's afraid of. Regina has people who she controls. But she doesn't really have anyone who's, like, a peer. And I think getting to see those interactions between Regina and Maleficent would have actually been nice. Or someone for her to even talk to. Like, just to be like, I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going on. What's happening? Happening, and maybe she has her memories. Maybe she doesn't. But it's like you're the only person who I can talk to. And honestly, it would have been even more messed up if Maleficent doesn't have her memories. Regina's acting like she's best friends, and then when she gets her memories back, she's like, "Wow, you're I'm your best friend, and you even screwed me over." And actually shows some remorse and you know things like that. Because she's a good character. I love the actress. She's fantastic, and she plays it well. Kristen von Stratton. She's good. Love you from True Blood. You're amazing. What was her character's name? Pam. Pam. That's right. <laughs> Dead Pam Pam. The best. <sighs> Pam was great. Uh, yeah, no, that would have been really interesting. I, I, I well, and they're dynamic. I mean, obviously they're friendly and they're peers, but they're not, like, they've got, they've got some beef going on. I mean, they get in a fight in this episode. Uh, there's an age difference. Maleficent's mm-hmm. definitely older than Regina. Yeah. And seemingly more powerful. I think it's a little freaky to... To see, like, Maleficent is afraid of this curse. She's like, do not cast this curse. It is bad. And I also think she's kind of, she's kind of reached her, like, Maleficent obviously cast a curse on Sleeping Beauty. And she, she realized that it didn't make her feel better. Like, it, she still has a void. She still has a hole in her heart that she's filled with a tiny black unicorn. (laughs) So... I, I, it was interesting to see them, like, converse in that way. And even even with her seeing her friend's experience, Regina still decides, nope, the only thing that will make me happy is casting this curse and making Snow White miserable. The best comparison I can say is they remind me of siblings. Siblings mm. fight all the time. Mm-hmm. But deep down, you know, they kind of care about each other, even if they, like, you know, you hate your brother and you want to choke him out to death. But you're the only person who can beat him up, right? Like, that's just kind of the way it is. And yeah, the fact that she is afraid of the dark curse really shows how scary this curse must be. Maleficent's like, don't do this. Like, this is too far. And Regina just doesn't care. She's so empty and she's so convinced it's going to give her the thing that she wants. And Maleficent's like, it's not going to work. But like anyone with a younger sibling, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just old and dumb. It's true. I uh, would also love to talk about Sydney Glass slash the magic mirror. I think it was an interesting because in the in the fairy tale Snow White, the magic mirror talks to the queen, but he doesn't really have a personality. He kind of just seems like a magical mirror, not a person that lives in a mirror, but like a mirror that tells you the truth, who is the fairest of them all. And they've created him into a character that is really like a sycophant for the evil queen. <laughs> uh, Ooh, good word. Thank you. Uh, he does her bidding, even. Even when he's not, I mean, I guess he's cursed in both instances because he's cursed to live in that mirror, but he he wants to please her and he is, he just bends to her power. Weak man, 100% fully agree. Sydney Glass is never not a weak man. Yeah. Um, here's what I would say, two things. Sydney Glass in Once Upon a Time is one of the weakest men I've ever seen 
portrayed on television. And it, the actor does a fantastic job. Like, like you said, everything he does in life is to make Regina happy. And he will never accomplish it. Like, that is actually his curse. He cannot make Regina happy. Um, also, going on to a different one, in, I think it's Snow White and the Huntsman, the movie, I'm supposed to believe that this magic mirror is convinced um, Charlize Theron that Kristen Stewart is fairer and prettier than her. Yep. Now that's body dysmorphia if I've ever seen it in my life because that is clearly not even close to true. Um, I, I really do like that they've they've moved this revenge plot beyond she's prettier than me. Yeah, because that was a real dumb, like, yeah. you just think she's prettier than you, so now you've lost her. Like, she's still irrational for what she's of course, doing. Of course, But there seems to be more substance than just, this girl's prettier than I am. I hate her. I want to destroy all of you. Like, wow. she's Again, cartoon villain to real life villain. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, again, Glass leaves me with more questions than, like, why? Why are you so dedicated to this woman? Because it doesn't, they haven't shown any sort of, like, she. he's not the boyfriend, he's not, like, a father, there's no familial connection, she obviously doesn't love him, so why is this man so desperate to please her? We'll have to wait and find out. I also think we get some nice family moment, or family, we don't know their family yet, but family moments, uh... Emma learns that Henry believes that Mary Margaret is Snow White, which means that she's Emma's mother. And Emma finds that out for the first time. And of course, she doesn't believe this, but is also, she feels a connection with Mary Margaret. And Mary Margaret feels it too. I mean, she bailed a complete stranger out of jail just because it seemed like she trusted her. And also she doesn't trust Regina, the Regina the mayor. I also think it's sweet, the the cinnamon on the hot chocolate. Henry, Mary, Margaret, and Emma all enjoy cinnamon on their hot chocolate. That's a nice little thread that they kind of mm -hmm. weave all the way through, whether it's Henry giving it to Emma or, like, everybody kind of in that. You kind of think, like, maybe they are all related because they all love the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, also, I love the confidence of Henry to just shoot her a hot chocolate. Like, again, this man can teach seminars. Like, this kid has confidence. It's fantastic. I Walk with me. And she's just like, all right, whatever. Like... <laughs> You, you gotta love it. You just gotta respect that 10-year-old Henry's just like, yeah, just trust me, it's fine. Um, one of the things I love about this in Emma is that it's like the first time you kind of see that little crack in her armor where she starts thinking like, huh, this doesn't make sense, but like, what if this is my mom? Like, it, it seems like there's a point where she starts to think like, if this is real, which I don't believe it is, I'm talking to the mother that I never had, which is kind of like a weird realization like this can't be real because this woman is my age, but also... That'd be kind of nice if this was my mom and I actually get to, like, you know, meet my family for the first time. And then they do have that nice connection, I think, in Mary's apartment later on where they're talking. So you can definitely see them bonding, which I think is a really kind of nice thread of, like, she doesn't have a family, so she's now making a new family. I think found family, kind of, like, one of the big themes. I also wonder at what point is Emma starting to believe that maybe all of this isn't as crazy as it sounds. I don't think that that is in this episode, but I, it does happen. Because you can tell she chooses her words very carefully when she apologizes to Henry at his therapy session. Because she doesn't, she doesn't want to lie and say that she believes him, but she also doesn't want to, like, destroy his delusion, as we have called it with air quotes here. Because uh, she, she says, if the curse is real, burning these pages is the best thing we can do to defeat the queen. And it's also sort of like this parallel. I mean, I don't think Emma's goal was ever to, like, take Henry away from Regina, but, like, she wants to make sure he's happy and, like, she's also trying to defeat Regina in making sure that she's not corrupting Henry and making him evil. 
blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she, she is trying to stop Regina from oddly doing the thing that Regina doesn't actually want to do, but feels like, it, like she either needs to do this or it's like the only way that she can ensure. I don't know. It's a strange dynamic right now because they're both technically trying to protect Henry. Yes. But oddly enough, their actions seem to be causing the opposite of that, right? Like there's a conflict. She's He's watching her his mom's fight, all those kind of weird things. Um, Regina has like this weird dynamic right now especially when it comes to Henry and Emma, where it's it's like this, I can't stand you, but you might be what's best for my kid, but I don't want you to take it away. And then, of course, she's dealing with the knowledge of the curse is real, so she's worried about losing it. So it's like she's kind of trying to play both sides of the fence right now. And I think part of her, like, irrational behavior is that she's struggling. Like, it's she's balancing two lives, like right? Like, imagine someone having a secret life, and she's like, my son thinks I'm the evil queen. Well, it turns out I am the evil queen. Well, the person who might be able to break the curse might be here. And, you know, gold is basically blowing me off and not giving me any information. And she's, what, 28 years, I said last time. She's been in control. Now it's crumbling down in, what are we talking about, a week? week or two? Yeah. Time's passed? Less than a week, I think. That would be a very terrifying experience to everything that I've worked to build is just, uh-oh, here comes falling down. Yeah, I mean, she's scared enough to ask Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold for help. Um, and you're right. She's, she's been struggling as a parent and she, she even talks about how hard it is to be a single mom in the first episode, which, yeah, definitely. Especially when you're, you know, trying to cover up your, (laughs) your evil deeds and make sure your curse is running smoothly all while raising a child by yourself. Also, Uh, can we talk about her power as mayor? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not super versed in local city politics. However, to my knowledge, the mayor is not the president of the United States who doesn't even probably have this much power as Regina has in Storybrooke and could just insert themselves into literally anything they want. Most mayors don't just walk into a schoolroom and be like, I need to talk to my son. Stop the entire lesson. I need to have a conversation. Well, we're in the lesson. Does it matter to me? And just keep on going. Yeah, I mean, that's just Regina's personality. She designed this town the way that she wanted it. Although, uh, Storybrooke definitely has a strong mayor that is directly elected by the people rather than just elected by its the other city council members. She does, on several occasions, mention other city council members. Have no <laughs> idea who they are or what they vote on. Surely they just agree with Regina at every instance. I assumed they were her black knights. Oh, probably. That's yeah. a good... Sheriff, I think, sense. is the only thing we ever see that seems like a position that is contested. I don't know that there's anything else. Yeah, I mean, Sheriff is also an elected position. But I think that's it. I don't know any other position that seems like you could run for in Storybrooke. I mean, you theoretically would need to run for city council, but I don't know if you do in, in Storybrooke. Or is there a city council? She mentions them. Yeah, there definitely is. You can see them. Like when in meetings, when they, mm. they have like a town hall meeting, you can see them sitting at a table, but I have, I don't know who they are. They're people that I do not recognize. I wonder if they're just the other villains. Like <laughs> maybe it's King George and uh, the Blind Witch. So it's just like all the other villains who are just aligned with her plot, but they don't know it. Love that. That is a brilliant idea on Regina's, Regina's part. That would make sense. <clears throat> okay. I think we've covered all of the important parts. Except for the most important part. Who's your winner of the episode? We uh, haven't talked about our favorite moments or our most ridiculous moments yet. Fair enough. uh, Let's go there. Okay. Favorite moments from this episode. I think mine, melodrama typical, is when Snow... 
Mary Margaret and Emma talk in her loft. Like, they're just really connecting, and it's really nice. No tears for me in this episode. Not one. Not one tear, but oh. that, that does that does get me in the feels. Okay. I, I actually thought when Henry was mean to Regina, that was going to get you. Oh. I thought you're not my real mom might have Yeah, no, that, that hurts me, but it didn't make me cry. Okay. Uh, favorite episode, I mean, favorite moment of the episode, Tiny Black Unicorn, man. I think that's my, like, choice for most ridiculous, but I also love it, yeah. Not, not the existence of it, it is the, I will do whatever it takes to save my Tiny Black Unicorn. That's like, a good one. The true, like I said, true love, like, like, I will stand in front of 25 axes and swords, but do not kill my Tiny Black Unicorn. Yep. Like, you gotta love Maleficent for that, that's just respect. Yep. Definitely and as someone married to a woman who would probably jump in front of 25 swords to protect our dog, not her husband, but definitely her dog, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, if that's your favorite moment, then what would you say is the most ridiculous moment? <sighs> the most ridiculous moment is how many weak men there are in this episode. <laughs> I would not call that a moment, but uh, we can accept that as I, your position. I, I would say Henry Sr., his entire premise of I'm going to talk my daughter who's been plotting this revenge for a decade at this point. I'm just going to talk her out of this now. That felt so, do you know your daughter at all type situation here? And then you like, you realize that the thing that she loved most was you. And instead of, I don't know, doing anything to extricate yourself from the situation, you just stood there and let her crush your heart. Like, eh, run, man. You know what? Just jump out the window. I don't know. Like, Honestly, could have been like, I'm going to kill myself before you can kill me. That would have made more sense than just standing there and letting her enact this dark curse. She does have magic, so I think that she would win in the end. But I, I hear you. Try something. Just anything, man. I hear that. Okay, winner of the episode. Do you want to go first? I want you, you to go you first. you want me to go first? Yes. I think Regina is the winner of this episode. I don't think it's good that she's the winner of this episode. But she successfully casts her curse, crushes the heart of her, the thing she loves most, and she uh, pretty successfully engineers uh, getting Henry to be really mad at Emma. Obviously, they like come together in the end, which is a good thing. But I, I would say that Regina is the winner of this episode. I would say for 98% of the episode, Regina won. And then at the very end, the true winner showed up. And the true winner is Rumpelstiltskin? Correct. Yeah. I, okay. Please explain. The reason I think... Mr. Gold Rumpel wins this episode is that you see Regina do all these things throughout the episode. She establishes her dominance. She establishes her manipulation ability, how much power she has over the town. She establishes how afraid everyone is her. And yet in about two minutes, Mr. Gold shows up and reminds her that I run things around here. And when I say, please get out of my way and I will take one of your apples and I will eat it and I will throw it on the ground and you won't do a thing about it because while you may be in charge, as far as they're concerned, I am the power. That's where I think he is the winner of this episode. Okay, I think that's fair, especially because it happens within the bounds of this episode. I think we should be careful to not select Rumpelstiltskin as the winner of every episode because theoretically <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin has engineered everything that occurs in every episode. Well, um, I think that's fair. I think there are many episodes in which he doesn't establish himself as a winner, whereas he's just like waiting for things yeah. to happen. I think in this one, he very clearly, like, he basically kind of like, chest bumps Regina and reminds her that like <laughs> get out of my way don't interfere like and he tells her don't ask me any more questions and the evil queen has to basically obey the evil queen obeys no one yeah so that's, true. that's why I said that was kind of like a, a victory of like yeah you are almost the most powerful thing in this town well 
speaking of, now we're going to talk about things we're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a day when Regina and Rumpelstiltskin team up together. I concur with that. <laughs> I love those two in the same team. I actually, not only do I love those two in the same team, I love their philosophical debates. I love when they talk about the ways that they go about getting things, because they're the two characters who are willing to go outside the bounds of what most people consider good. They they are the means justify the ends characters. Like, yeah, killing is wrong, but if I need to protect someone, I will absolutely crush their heart to do so. Whereas, like, Charming, David, Snow, and Mary Margaret would have real problems doing something like that. Like, they might do it, but they really don't want to. Regina will be like, eh, I'll fry her. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, if it's to protect Henry, she would fry her and be like, well, I mean, you know. Filet the bitch. Filet the bitch. I mean, that's a direct quote we'll, we'll hear later. <laughs> so that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to more of the backstories, trying to figure out why, who all these people were. And then more so the dynamic between what does Gold know and what is his endgame goal? Because I think we know Regina's goal. I don't think we know Gold's goal yet. And that's kind of the part that I'm curious about so far. I also am really excited to see, I think, well, I know, but I also remember thinking the first time I saw this, we are going to see some collisions of Henry trying to convince Emma of the truth and it resulting in Henry getting hurt repeatedly or almost hurt repeatedly. Um, so I'm really looking forward to like how they na navigate this like pathway where Emma's trying not to crush his delusion uh and he's continuing to try to convince her i also am really excited for the moment like those little cracks in in emma where she finally is like this just doesn't make sense um i want to know why she hasn't asked where the delivery trucks are where they get all the food or like she's she doesn't seem to notice any of those kind of things there's a logistical question i have about the town in general it's magic roger oh okay it's magic because like the money nobody really other than like the credit card that we hear no one really pays for anything you never see a transaction of any kind no one's struggling for money no one's really concerned about making money like it's Except just for mr gold like, well but mr gold's not concerned about it he, he just, just does is. he just he just has money all the time almost like he uh, weaves it from straw um <laughs> <laughs> so emma should have noticed that that definitely is like a this town is running very efficiently for having nothing. But maybe there are, maybe like there's an engineer, like it's just stuff in the it's background. True. It's true. This is one of the things we have to accept. Um, that completely killed my thought. Uh, there was something else I was really looking forward to. It'll come to me. Okay. This is good television right now. Um, I'm also looking forward to learning more about, so now we know that Snow White did something to Redina. Yes. But we don't know what it is. And I, I need to know what it is. I'd also like to see some more David. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely some more David. There was no Charming in this episode. Um, so I want to see, and I think we will in a few episodes, I want to see how Snow and Charming met. We were going we to see that in the next episode. Outstanding. Um, and then Charming's backstory itself, right? Who is he? You know, Prince Charming has a reputation, you know, as a, quite a, not a good person, quite honestly. Like, Prince Charming is not really a great hero, if I recall from the stories, right? Like, he's... A flirt, he sleeps around. I mean, he's not necessarily a bad person, but he isn't the pinnacle of what you would want in a man. What, what stories are you reading? <laughs> There's, like, more modern interpretations, certainly, that they've done, where, like, the dwarves would be like, yeah, your reputation is well-earned, isn't it? Where, like, Prince Charming was sleeping around, for sure. I've definitely not read any of these. you got to read things past 1950. I, I see. Yeah. In the classic 1939 Snow White <laughs> Disney movie, 
and I believe in the original fairy tale, he's a, he's a nothing. He's a cardboard character <laughs> that uh, hears Snow White singing. She falls asleep. He thinks she's beautiful. He kisses her and wakes her up. That's what happens. Which, boy, that's weird. Yeah. Hey, look, there's this beautiful woman just laying here. You know what I should do? Kiss her. Yeah. I'm very glad that this show has created some very deep relationships that remove some of the more creepy elements of the traditional fairy tales. Not all of them, some of them. I would say most. Yeah. I would say most are, are removed. The The nonchalant way they kill people is a bit concerning. Yeah. Because, you know, I've not killed someone myself, so I can't speak to this as an authority. That's but good. I, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad it's on record. Um but I feel like that's a traumatic experience to just take someone's... Like, she kills her father. That That's tough. And it doesn't seem like there's a real consequence. Like, you know, he mentions, I believe, the hole in her heart. If I had to, like, rip out my mother's heart and crush it, I don't think I'd be okay for quite some time. Yeah, she's trying to fill a hole in her heart. And in doing so, she makes it bigger. Yeah, which is a central theme, unfortunately, of Regina's actions for at least a season and probably a little past that. Yeah. Yeah. Do we meet um, more family members for Regina in this season? No. Not until season two? Not until season two. Yeah, that's another one I wish we'd gotten to see a little bit earlier. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Thanks for joining us today. We are looking forward to talking about episode three, Snow Falls, next week. See you next week.